pretentious trash, stupid stuff. This guy's dumb, whatever. gentlemen welcome to the film find the greatest movie podcast ever assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before my name is adam portress uh it's been a moment i've been a little bit busy but as such i have three movies that i want to review today and they all revolve around a topic that i kind of want to talk about uh movies as i'm sure a lot of you know uh, are in a weird place right now (laughs) uh we've been without movie theaters for an entire year uh, over a year, I guess, at this point, actually. Uh, I am about to go back as a uh, theater of a manager, or manager of a theater. Those words go in that order better. Um, I'm having a little of, uh, what do you call it here? This is old granddad bottled in bond. So uh, if this goes crazy, that's what we blame it on. Uh, but movie theaters are coming back. I'm excited for it. I've been kind of going to the movies a little bit here and there. Uh, one of those we'll be talking about today. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for where things are going. I look at the, uh, the horizon and everything. I really think Fast and the Furious 9 is when things are going to start popping off again. It'll be a couple weeks in. People will be like, oh, okay, we tested the waters a little bit, and it's about to get crazy. But uh, I'm excited for it, man. I'm excited to go back to work. I'm excited to see people that are just, you know, maybe not always the best of patrons. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for all of it. I'm really, uh, it's, it's what I like doing. I, I really enjoy my work, so I'm excited to get back to it. So there's a lot of those options there for you. But the cool thing is, is that over this year plus, uh, a lot of other options have come on the table. Streaming has become, I mean, we all thought streaming was a big thing (laughs) before 2020 for sure. Uh, but once things really got going, uh, a lot of streaming windows and stuff opened up, things that we never thought we would actually see uh, in movies, things that were just questioned for so many years going like, is this a thing that's even possible? And it took, you know, a a horrible pandemic to get everything to go, oh, well, maybe it's time to, you know, shake things up a little bit, see where things actually fall. And... um I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I think ultimately it's going to make theaters need to step up their game a little bit because if you can stay at home and watch, you know, the new whatever movie for 30 bucks as opposed to having, you know, you a ticket, someone else a ticket, heaven forbid you have a family of four <laughs> or something like that or more that needs to go and then uh, drinks and all that kind of food and everything. It does. It certainly gets expensive. So the, the lure of the streaming at home for under $30, I'm sure is a bright, shiny beacon to a lot of people, not to mention the fact that, uh, let's be frank, we uh, audiences are terrible. And I'll tell you this, going back, I thought, oh, surely uh, we, we've dodged a lot of those bullets. No, no, no. Those bullets are still in the gun, raring to go. They didn't go nowhere. Uh, bad, bad patrons are back, and they're the first ones coming back to the theater. I don't know how that works out, but apparently it does. It's like you could have stayed at home for the four of you that are here that are dicking around doing God knows what. You could have stayed home 
and got a free trial or, or no because I think you had to pay for the HBO Max. You know, give them give them the 10 bucks for the free for that month of HBO Max and everything and just watch this in your home without being an asshole in front of me. But so again, I still can't wait to come back even despite all those horrible things. I'm very excited. But the problem is is that on top of streaming then, we all have there's too many choices. There's so many different streaming networks. There's new ones and stuff all the time. We talked about it on an episode of the Dinger Zone for Hero Movie Podcast over at our Patreon over there. Uh, we talked about our favorite TV series and stuff like that. And I didn't really have any because I didn't, I haven't watched a whole bunch of stuff. But yet, we all have these subscriptions to all of these things, to your Netflix, to your Hulus, your... Uh, uh, you know, Apple TV, Disney Plus, all of this stuff. There's, you know, thing upon thing, Shutter. if you're me, uh, Criterion Collection, uh, if you're me, uh, as well as the new Arrow video, which, by the way, is really, really great. It's five bucks a month, but it's pretty darn good. Check that out. Uh, but there are so many different places that you can go to try to find something that you want to watch. And the fact that, you know, I think every single person listening to this can identify with this one. You've been searching, you know, on pick, pick your, you know, platform of choice. You've been searching on it for like 30 minutes and then you just decide not to watch anything because you've spent your entire time going. So it is that crummy thing of not, uh, you know, the video store not being there and that kind of like, we have to make a decision. We're going to take this and we're going to take it home and we're going to watch it. And uh, you, you committed to it back then. Now it's just like, it's so lazy fair. Uh, whatever. It's not like it's costing me anything, so to speak. And like, ah, whatever, whatever. We throw it off to the side. But uh, uh, it's movies are still at that kind of weird, odd space. And so what I'm going to do is we're, we're going to talk about three different types of movies. Uh, but really what I see going on right now is that there's one genre that seems to be doing the most interesting stuff inside their own particular genre. Okay. So, of course, this is not the first time any of these things have happened or anything. So it's not, you know, film tastes change, audiences evolve or devolve sometimes. Uh, but right now, the genre I think that's currently putting out the most interesting movies in cinema, you saw the title of this episode, it's horror. Uh, horror movies have had a wild history. It's impossible for me to talk about all of it. There's so much in such a short amount of time, it's insane. Uh, but maybe Matt will come on and we'll talk a, a whole history episode. Because that's in a whole episode in and of itself because there's so much. But like from sideshow, titillation, public disgrace, art everywhere in between, our, uh, horror movies have gone in one of those categories. Or multiple ones of those categories in the exact same time. All of it goes in cycles. Those cycles are kind of predictable, but at the same time a little bit wild. Uh, like I've said previously on this podcast that I got interested in horror really because of like Scream and the self-referential movies of the 90s and stuff that really broke down horror and whatnot. The early aughts then, that's all your like Eli Roth, Rob Zombie, uh, James Wan, Alexander Aja, and, and the director of a movie we're uh, reviewing today, uh, Darren Lynn Bowsman. They, uh, they were like the so-called splat pack uh, you know, a lot of the uh, torture porn it was, it was also labeled at certain times and stuff like that. So uh, late aughts, that brought back kind of like that pseudo art house horror. You know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, 
it, it's a little bit out there and you know it, it's it stinks not not stinks in a bad way but it stinks of artiness is what I guess I'm trying to say uh, but they've we got all we got this crazy art level stuff but we even have like childhood favorites like Chucky that are still clinging to life and clinging surprisingly well I mean Chucky is as big as he's ever been and and honestly the movies aren't terrible. I mean, they're not amazing, but they're not, you know, ungodly awful or anything. It's a fun time. Uh, but right now, right now, it feels like horror. If it doesn't, if it doesn't matter what you're doing, people are interested in it. They're going to watch it no matter what it is. And a lot of them will at least just watch it. I mean, like I've said before, this horror community, they will try anything. They will give anything a chance. And because if you play your cards right, it doesn't have to even cost a whole bunch of money. And your chances for making money then go way up. Uh, so today, uh, we have three movies from the horror genre. And, and they couldn't quite be any different from each other than this. Uh, so it, it is three platforms, if you count it like I do, which you should. Uh, but let's get to the big one. Uh, as I said, we are back. We're in theaters and everything. And uh, let's take a listen to the trailer for the newest in the, I think we're thinking, the ninth in the Saw series, Spiral, a book from Saw? Uh, I'll get into all that. Here's a trailer. If it wants to play. What do you got there? Oh, it's just my wife, Emma. This is my son, Charlie. Enjoy it while it lasts. While it lasts. Nothing happier than the wife of a new detective. Emma's cool, man. She's different. You don't know my wife. You give a woman 600 Tuesdays. It ain't worth three Saturday nights. How much money you got? A lot. How many problems you got? A lot. How many people have doubted? A lot. All available you units. Officer down. Pray that you flop. Detective Banks en route. has another motive. They're targeting cops. This shit's gonna go sideways fast. Someone's out there pulling all the strings. You want to play games, motherfucker? Alrighty, that was the trailer for Spiral. Uh, this is starring Chris Rock, Max Mignella, I believe is how I pronounce his name, and Samuel L. Jackson, uh, directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman. So, um, uh, oh, here's the IMDb plotline. Uh, working in the shadow of his father, an esteemed police veteran, brash detective Ezekiel Zeke Banks and his rookie partner take charge of a grisly investigation into murders that are eerily reminiscent of the city's gruesome past. Unknowingly entrapped in a, uh, in a deepening mystery, Zeke finds himself at the center of the killer's morbid game. Uh, so let's talk about my history uh, with the Saw franchise. 
Uh, the first saw came out. Uh, James Wan uh, and Lee Winnell put it together. Lee Winnell co-starred in that. Uh, Carrie Elways and Danny Glover, uh, and, and of course, uh, you know the man himself, Tobin Bell, is as uh, Jigsaw. Uh, it super low budget flick, and just really blew up. Blew up both of their careers and everything. Not Carrie Elways, no. <laughs> But uh, it, it blew those guys up. It got really big, and then they made Saw into a franchise. And Saw's two, three, and four were under the director Darren Limbausman's uh, directorial ship. <laughs> uh, so, and I like those. I like those a lot. I thought the first Saw movie itself is just kind of a a mystery. And that was everything. You're in this bathroom. You're looking for all the clues and everything. And it's ultimately to teach, you know, this kind of lesson and stuff. And uh, the subsequent movies really build on that. At one point, even Jigsaw dies. And like, you know, <laughs> Jigsaw hadn't been alive since I think the end of uh, Saw 2, maybe? Or is, was it 3? I forget. The, I've, it's been a while since I've seen them all in order. Uh, but he's been gone for like a long, long time. <laughs> One of the, so I think it's, uh, I think it's four opens up with them, uh, doing an autopsy on Jigsaw and pulling out a little micro cassette tape and then playing that. I thought that was, and so that whole, uh, movie, I think it's a flashback again. It's been a long time, but I, 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 I really enjoyed the first Saw movie. Uh, Saw's two through four, I thought were pretty good. Uh, Saw 5 took a dip. I really did not like 5. Uh, I just thought it was... Uh, I don't even re- I don't even remember. I just remember being angry. <laughs> I didn't commit that too much to memory. Maybe if you go through Film Find Archives, there might be... I don't know if that's in there, but it, there's, a, there's a half chance that it might be. Maybe not, though. Um, I'm trying to... All the Saw movies start going together, and you're like, was I doing podcasting back then? I, I can't remember. Um... So so five sucked. Six was better. Six gave me like a little glimpse of hope. It wasn't as good as the other ones, but it gave me like a little bit of a, ooh, oh no, it looks like we might be able to do something here. And then seven came along, which was like in 3D, and it was the final thing and whatever. That sucked. That was terrible. And I was just like, oh, thank heavens that uh, this franchise has now ended. I don't think I was doing podcasting then, because I remember doing a uh, parking lot movies review of that. Don't search for that, because you won't find it, I don't think. But you might. Anyway. Uh, so that was that. And then, what, two years ago, we had the uh, movie Jigsaw, which I guess was a prequel. I'm going to be quite frank with you. I saw the movie. I do not remember it. That's how good that movie was. I don't remember a bit of it. But um, I remember some of the some of the thoughts were okay. It was like, it's it's fair. I've, it's fair. Uh, so I was looking forward to this one because with Darren Lynn Bowsman coming back, who did Saws 2 through 4, which I thought were pretty darn good for what they were. And again, I'm not going to co- I just want everybody to know ahead of time wh- what my thoughts are on all these. Um, this is not high cinematic art. I don't think it's that. I think uh, what what all of these do for me as a viewer is I get to see really rad, sick looking special effects. I love seeing that stuff. I love the creativity of it. Uh, to me, it is a is a morbid, gory art project, <laughs> you know. And I I always liked the the fact that Saw kind of made you just go, okay, these people are terrible, and they could they could save themselves, but it will permanently end up injuring them. 
uh, or they'll end up dying. I thought it was kind of it's just a neat a neat idea, and it went on and on and on. And after a while, it just stops working. So, but I was like, hey man, we're bringing it back here. Chris Rock is starring in this movie. Not only is Chris Rock starring in this movie, it is because Chris Rock that this movie is made. He asked for this. He was. They were like, Rock, what you want to do, baby? Rock says, uh, y'all going to think I'm crazy, but I'd like to bring back the Saw series. <laughs> what, a, what a weird ask. Uh, and so they did. They were like, okay. And they, they brought back Darren, who hasn't been on Saw films for quite some time. I think, you know, it's what, four on, four off, something like that. And... Um, they were like, bring him back into the fold. And at that point, I got a little bit excited because you know what? I think Chris Rock is actually a pretty good actor. I think if you put him in the right sort of situation, Chris Rock can really shine. Um, unfortunately, that is not what we got with this film because Chris Rock, I have no idea what he's doing. I have no clue what's going on with Chris Rock. He is acting all over the place, and it's not like... Not like that fun Nick Cage where he's kind of, you know, going all over the place and you're on for this just zany roller coaster that is Nick Cage. But at least with Nick Cage, it's like it's got a through line, whatever weird through line he's given it. But it's got a through line, you know, it, it, to, at least to Nicolas Cage, what he's doing makes sense. He's on this wave that he's going through as this character. That is not the case for Chris Rock. Uh, Chris Rock plays the uh, jaded cop. As you always might imagine, uh, his dad was Samuel L. Jackson, who uh, you know was uh, cleaning up crime and all this other kinds of stuff. So here's what you need to know: the story itself doesn't matter, right? None of these Saw stories truly, ultimately matter. Uh, one thing that this movie did kind of tell me, though, because it's the first time that that we've focused almost exclusively on police officers, uh, because ultimately the the jigsaw knockoff. Um, I don't even know if we give it a name. I can't even remember. Uh, so if they did, it wasn't a memorable one. I'll tell you that. But instead of like the uh, the big pig, it's like a small pig puppet, or the it's a small pig puppet instead of the uh, the little guy on the tricycle. Which is creepy. It's creepy. It's got a very uh, Texas Chainsaw vibe to it, which is nice. But um, they 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 get a hog head and they're stealing people up, and you know, it's all about the kills. Ultimately, you're looking for the kills here. And uh, does this movie deliver those kills? Eh, kind of. Some of them are okay. There's a couple of great shots of like the aftermath of the first thing. Uh, which is a cop being uh, hit by a subway ultimately while he's, you know, uh, his tongue is clasped to a thing. He's standing on like a little uh, little sawhorse or something like that. Train's coming down and he has to just rip his own tongue off in order to get down and get away from the uh, train. As you might imagine, that doesn't work out well. Uh, <laughs> so that that falls down and uh he, he splats on the train and everything and they go and they look at all that kind of stuff really good gore and everything uh super neat but we we go on and there's a couple of contraptions and stuff and that's what you're seeing with all of the jigsaw stuff it's rune goldberg kind of things this then that and you know this is going to happen then the next thing's going to happen and you got a couple others that are just like they're okay they're fair but they don't they don't do what like a lot of the other uh, the other 
Saw movies did, which was they kind of made a comparison of like what your you know sins were and how they were going to punish you in the same way. So if you're you know I, again I'm just pulling oh well, do, well one in I saw two I believe where the uh, the heroin addict gets dropped into a giant uh, thing of needles, <laughs> you know that kind of shit. And by the way, there's a key in there. Go find it. <laughs> Go find it and dodge all the heroin needles. If you can do that, you too will get a new car. But um, that's what we're here for. We're not here for the story, which is weird and boring. And uh, it's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I think if you have half a brain, you can see it coming. I don't. I don't look for those things. Uh, but I think if you're watching your ninth Saw movie and you have a little bit of an eye towards, I think I know what's going on, you, you're you not going to be ultimately uh, super surprised with anything. But really, even though, like I was saying, this this movie was the first one to kind of focus on cops themselves. Uh, and while the other movies weren't cop movies, in a way, they were really always cop movies. You know, you're always trying to figure out this uh, this story. You're always playing detective. What's going on? Who is this person? Who's doing it? Why are they doing it? Is there a rhyme to the reason for the kills and all that kind of jazz? And the story here is for that to fit in all this kind of BS is fine. It's fine. It's it is. Uh, it's very much. It feels like a telenovela in a lot of ways because <laughs> it's so over dramatic at some points. And it, it feels like they know what they're doing, kind of leaning into all of that really pulpy silliness going like, you know, if, if you were writing a cop movie, there's a lot of like, I wrote this for Cop Movie 101 in the screenplay. There's a ton of that going on. And it's I don't have a problem with that. That I don't really have a problem with. I would say the biggest problem for this movie ultimately is Chris Rock. And the thing is, is this whole movie, all of this, this was his idea. I don't know how he put his seal of approval on what was uh, what I saw, you know, because he is all over the place. His ADR is purposely super boring and, and monotone and droll. And it's like, yeah, I'm wondering about that thing, too. What's the other? Th- and he's talking to another character. It's just ADR. He's talking to him because they're following him as they're going down these steps, and this ADR kicks in for him. And it's just all down here. It's really nothing. And then they get once they're down the steps and everything, they cut over to the to the same kind of two shot. They're walking along and everything, and you can hear that it's clearly on set audio, and he's acting again. It's really really weird. Uh, there are some moments where. You know, I don't like disparaging, but it it felt like he was high because he was just like this stare that goes through the camera, just like a really a really glassy eyed look that just goes into very yeah, it's all right here. Here's where the performance is, and I'm staring at you really hard. And then other times he's just screaming. You know, he's just doing the Chris Rock scream. Other times he's doing like you know. My personality is closer to what Chris Rock's personality is. And then there's other times where he's kind of almost doing, you know, not an impression, but his kind of version of Denzel in Training Day. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, it's like, and I wish he would have done like that. Just kept like that the entire time. But he's all over the map that like, 
when you first see him, he, he's playing undercover. So he's very much like a very animated kind of Chris Rock character. And then after that, we learn that he was undercover and he's kind of screamy. And then, and then it's just bouncing back and forth in between all of these weird performances that feel almost like different characters. Like they tried like, Hey, let's shoot it four different ways. And then, you know, they did that for every single scene and then matched up different ones, different takes instead of a, you put a one with a four and a three with a two. It's really, really bizarre. I do not understand what Chris Rock was doing here. So, uh, if you're a soft fan, uh, you won't think this is the worst. If you, um, were looking for something high minded and really artful and all that kind of stuff, that's not what you're going to find here. Uh, but if you did come to see some decent enough kills, that's fine. I'm hearing people say they like Chris Rock's performance. If you see this movie and you think, please just email me your thoughts at thefilmfind@gmail.com. Tell me what you think of Chris Rock's performance because I just, I cannot get it. When I see a couple of people online and stuff uh, praising his performance, I'm like, what in the hell were you watching? Because that was just, it was egregiously bad. I kind of, I almost got mad at it. <laughs> It's just not that good. Uh, but we've got uh, up next, we're going to talk about a streamer. Uh, last week, this movie saw its uh, streaming premiere on the uh, last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs from a uh, director from South Africa. Uh, it's entitled Fried Berry from writer-director Ryan Kruger. Uh, Kruger? Yeah. Uh, Fried Berry, for those of you that don't know, is uh, kind of a drug movie. <laughs> Uh, drug trip movies are nothing new, but lately there's actually been a crazy trend of a lot of like psychedelic uh, falls into madness types of movies. And I've liked a lot of them. We had like the new Suspiria, which I thought was really good. Um, Suspiria fan, original Suspiria fans either love it or hate it. <laughs> the people that love it are like, oh, it's a nice, you know, kind of callback to what the original was with, but not being it at the same time. And the people that, and the other people, you know, go, I love Suspiria and this is a, a horrible disaster. <laughs> but I really enjoyed that. Uh, then you got Mandy, of course, the uh, the Gaspar Noe films like Climax and Enter the Void. Ton of good stuff out there. So this kind of like weird psychedelic sort of movie has been out there for some bit. Uh, I didn't actually get to see Fry Berry on the night it premiered because um, I uh, I took a nap. <laughs> but our buddy uh, Matt Smith, he texted me. He goes, dude, are you watching this fucking movie tonight? And uh, no, I was not. I was passed out because I was like, oh, I'm going to take a I'm going to take an hour long nap here before the uh, last drive or for the, uh, you know, the last drive in and uh, uh, I'll make it. No, you will not. Uh, so let's get into it. Here is the trailer for Fried Berry. There's something, there's something special about you, man. I can see it. I can feel it, man. You're on a mission. Just like me. Fuck, you're ugly. I thought I was ugly, but I mean you. And you're gonna give me nightmares. <laughs> so what are you doing here, man? You did something bad. How many kids, hey? You said fuck. Five, ten, twenty, thirty-five, a hundred. hundred fucking kids. Jesus. Sick. Sick fuck. Just come out of here. I'll take your grip Come, Larry. Come. Larry! Larry, I don't know where the fuck you're going. Larry! Larry! 
That was the trailer for Fried Berry. Uh, if, if that trailer didn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to you, don't worry. Uh, Fried Berry won't make a lot of sense to you either. Uh, but let's see if we can make uh, some sense of it with the old IMDB here. Barry is a drug-addled, abusive bastard who, after after yet another bender, is abducted by aliens. Don't you hate when that happens? Barry takes a back seat as an alien visitor assumes control of his body and takes it for a joyride through Cape Town. What follows is an onslaught of drugs, sex, and violence as our alien tourists enters the weird and wonderful world of humankind. Fried Barry is based upon the short film of the same name, which entered 57 official selections and 20 wins at festivals around the world. That's put into IMDb by James Williamson 1. James Williamson 1, I got 50 bucks, says it. You're the fucking director of this movie. I don't want to say that I know that people, uh, uh, you know, kind of, you know, shuffling directors that have done this before, but uh, yeah, I, it's, it's not uncommon. Um, so, Fried Berry, like I said, this is kind of a uh, one of these wild drug trip movie sort of things. Uh, he takes heroin and then stumbles out into the street and then gets abducted by aliens. And those aliens do all kinds of probing and weird things in places that you may not expect. Uh, and, yeah, like, it's, like think of the worst one you got there, uh, fellas. Yeah, that one. That's what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so... Essentially, he gets taken over by an alien, comes back down to Earth, and I guess is, you know, kicking the tires of Earth or something. I'm not sure what's kind of going on. But um, uh, every lady at that point uh, wants to have sex with this man, who, by the way, uh, if they are to make a, um, like a remake of Phantasm, this dude is going to play the thin man since, unfortunately, Angus Grimm died uh, not too awful long ago. Uh, we got, we got a dude that could replace Angus Grimm, man. <laughs> this dude just looks like a crazy whacked out, uh, drug addict, if I'm quite frank with you. I don't believe that he actually is because he did the short and this thing. Uh, I just think he's one of those guys that kind of looks weird. He's not really an actual actor, uh, which, you know, for what we're doing here in this silent alien that doesn't talk back to anything and just kind of walks around in this crazy people. Are, like I said, it's just sex and drugs. He's constantly being offered all of them. Uh, he's the sexiest man that you've ever seen, <laughs> but yet looking like a crazy whacked out janitor all the time. Uh, the director is uh, kind of a, a, is a is a big giant hype man, one of those kinds of dudes, and I will absolutely 110% always respect the hustle on all of that. That said, um, this, this movie is one of those movies that I feel like, and when you hear what you know, Joe Bob said from interviews that he's done, uh, the guy seems to have a very high opinion of himself. And I thought this before I, he even said all of these things. You could kind of tell it while while sort of watching this. And then when you hear the story, it's like, yeah, that all makes sense. Um, 
so, but he, he, he's kind of a hustling guy. He goes around, you know, he, uh, Barks it up really big, and he's gonna make he's gonna make you watch it. By God, it uh, debuted on Shutter here, and uh, we all watched it. Um, that being said, um, I don't know that I really like this. <laughs> it's not super great. It's not terrible. It's fine. But like I said, when I mentioned some of those other uh, movies that are just you know these big kind of almost drug trippy sort of movies. This doesn't even hold a candle to those things, man. Like, I mean, especially like Climax and certainly Enter the Void. I mean, those are ones where if you are in the right setting and your, you know, sound is super loud and everything, it almost, it puts you in kind of a weird sort of odd trance. Uh, This isn't quite like that. This is more like... um, more like a Michael Bay does a, a, a rave scene kind of thing, which is fine. I, I don't dislike it, uh, but it's not that kind of uh, take you away. I mean, some some scenes are, some scenes kind of get there, but there's a lot of lulls and weird things in between that don't really match up. Uh, I don't have all the names here in front of me. The woman that played his wife was actually quite good. I think she was probably my favorite actor in this entire uh, thing. She really has this you know, kind of disgust with this man who's her husband who does a terrible job. He's a drug addict and everything. And uh, he's just been constantly ignoring her. Then, of course, he gets, you know, implanted with an alien inside of his body. Uh, He doesn't say anything, but somehow becomes a better father. (laughs) Ultimately, though, uh, this story is (laughs) E.T. The director himself has said that like people like Steven Spielberg are are a uh, an influence on him here and everything. And the the end of this movie, I'm not going to spoil everything, but essentially it's ET. Uh, we're trying to get this alien back to the spaceship and everything, and here's how we kind of do it. And it's really weird. And there's a lot of odd like little uh, wings at you and everything. There's a guy in the uh, I think it's a mental hospital or whatever who, whose name is is um um. Uh, Margarita? Mar- uh, what's What the fuck was uh, Danny DeVito's character's name? Martini. That's it. I knew it was a, a, an alcohol drink with M. Uh, Martini. <laughs> and the guy looks just like you know a 26-year-old. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's E.T. on acid or heroin or Molly or whatever. It, it's fine. I would give it a recommendation if it's that kind of thing that you like, but... Uh, from what I saw online, it seems to be divide a lot of audiences. Some people are like, whoa, that was super great and amazing and whatever. And the other people go like, pretentious trash, stupid stuff. This guy's dumb, whatever. So uh, that's Fried Berry. Fried Berry is available on Shudder right now. Uh, so lastly, last movie we're going to do, we're going to go to home video. I know some of you out there saying, it's streaming too. It's on streaming. You're wrong. Yeah, but you know what? I, I saw it on Blu-rays just as the good Lord intended, and that's why I'm telling you this. Uh, I am still impressed. I am still impressed because, man, when I pick up a Blu-ray, it is when you've been watching streaming for a while and you go over to a Blu-ray, it is like, whew, it is opening up your eyes. We were watching. Oh, one of the the other um, the other movie on the last drive-in just recently was uh, Mandy, as I was saying before. Um, and that's the second time I saw Mandy. Saw Mandy in the theater. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, and the second time was good. But man, oh man, watching it for that second time on streaming, it looked like garbage. 
garbage, dude. It was so bad. Just horrible banding and stuff all over the place. Just artifacts. And it's like, it just, it's just terrible. Plus, it's in stereo. Ugh. Shudder, my God. Get it together. Bare minimum, you should be throwing 5.1 soundtracks on movies that have 5.1 soundtracks. Still, all the others keep them to stereo. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but all the ones that are 5.1, for the love of God, man, make those bad boys 5.1. And then maybe get us uh, something a little bit beyond 720p in streaming or whatever the hell it is, because it it looked like garbage. But I will say this: Psycho Gorman on on uh, Blu-ray looked fantastic. I, uh, I saw a trailer for this movie. I knew that it was pretty much going to be a winner when I saw that one. And every person that I saw had a good thing to say about it. I don't know that I saw a single bad thing about it anyway. So I picked up the Blu-ray for pretty cheap. It's been out on VOD and stuff in a while. And speaking of Shudder, it's actually going to be on Shudder in, I think, a week. So uh, if you like this review, then uh, check that out on Shudder coming up soon. But let's go ahead and take a listen to the trailer for Psycho Gorman. Many moons ago... A nameless evil was imprisoned in a place far beyond reach. Hurry up! If he were ever to be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. Is that fear I smell? Your planet will be torn to pieces, and I will Mimi, treat your cock. screams as I rip. Is this yours? Be? Oh, my God. The gem of Paraxonite. Whoever wields it is able to command me. Go over there. Uh, and wait for us to come back in the morning. You will suffer an eternity for this. Bye! Mom, Dad, I want you to meet Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. I will bathe in your blood. Don't worry. Be worried. Slow down! gonna kill everybody not unless i tell him to what did you three maniacs get up to um this is getting a little weird this sick game must come to an end she will enslave the galaxy into endless servitude kill him cool the ultimate evil has awoken Gorman. It was nice meeting you. It would be nicer if you were dead. Alright, bye. Alrighty, that was the trailer for Psycho Gorman. IMDB plotline. Siblings Mimi and Luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord using a magical amulet. They force the monster to obey their childish whims and accidentally attract a rogues gallery of intergalactic assassins to small town suburbia. Uh, this is written and directed by Steve Katsu uh, Kotsunaki. Ah, I'm horrible. Uh, starring Nita, Joni, Hannah, Owen Meyer, and uh, Matthew Nimber as Psycho Gorman, and Steve Valros as the voice of Psycho Gorman, also known as PG. Um, Speaking of E.T. movies, uh, this is another one (laughs) in the best of ways. Uh, This movie is basically E.T. Kids find Alien. Alien does stuff. Alien needs to get back home. 
Alien Gets Home in the movie. But here's the thing. It's great. <laughs> it's so over the top. It's got this awesome sort of 80s vibe to it and everything. Um, for those of you out there that have seen Turbo Kid, I think that this would be like a great double feature with Turbo Kid just to give you kind of an idea of what sort of film that you're going to go see. Um, but it's it's like I would put this... I would probably put this as the first feature and then maybe Turbo Kid because Turbo Kid's like maybe a little bit more adult. So if you, because this movie, honest to God, it's not rated. Uh, I think if the MPAA proper got a hold of it, it would be rated R. But to be honest with you, I do not believe that this movie deserves a rated R. Uh, there is a lot of kind of gory sort of stuff in it, but really. It's more cartoony than anything. It really is. There's a lot. I mean, for a thing where there's like brains in jars and a and a giant brain thing and uh, people getting sliced and cut up and all this kind of you know just just good monstery juices and stuff flying everywhere. Uh, it's yeah. Just imagine like a like a high budget Mighty Morphin Power Rangers <laughs> that kind. Like it's it's that sort of level. Those are those are the costumes and creatures and stuff that you're coming up with. But they're all super fun. This feels like a kind of an 80s throwback sort of thing, even though I believe it's in modern day. I forget. Uh, but it's it's a hell of a lot of fun. Um, the, the characters are really, really great. Uh, the little girl is is really awesome. She's kind of, uh, she's my favorite out of all of them, of course, and she's meant to be that way. She's kind of uh, engineered to be, to be the character that you're just like, that's the kid I want to take home. <laughs> Because she's she's a little smart, Alex. She's super smart and everything. Uh, she doesn't. She's she's not. Uh, she's no sucker. You know, she's not getting played by people. And she's uh, she's a very smart kid. And her brother, who's like older, I think by a little bit. Uh, you know, she kind of dunks on her older brother a little touch right there because he is he is kind of he's the weaker of the two for sure. But they get this amulet. And of course, it's it's a lot like the One Ring as well. It's like whenever things get used, the other bandits from another universe come in, and big giant fights ensue and stuff. And honestly, that trailer is kind of what you've heard. I don't know that I need to go too much into it, but really just to say that uh, practical effects are are back, and they're making you know, it's it's just so good to see people do things. You know, people have made puppets and stuff. There's no well, there I don't want to say there's no CGI in this because there's clearly some CGI in this. But if they could do it on set, they tended to do it on set. And that kind of, it just, it makes you feel good. <laughs> because we've gotten so far away from that with like tons and tons of digital blood and crap everywhere. At least now we're realizing like, oh yeah, we can make this uh, actually good. We can we can attempt to do something as opposed to just taking the shortcut routes. Which seems a lot of people do when they have these uh, low budget films. But we're getting low budget directors now that have the uh the kind of i, I want to do things my way sort of thing as opposed to i i've it was always i need to scrape together just enough money to do this you know small drama thing or whatever that i'm used to doing now we've got people going like hey man what if i can you know somehow end up raising like you know a couple of low million dollars to make some really you know some really great stuff here. I don't even know what Psycho Gorman costs, to be quite honest. I didn't, that's not one on IMDb that I looked up. Uh, but I can't imagine that it was an ungodly amount here. Let me see if maybe they have, uh, so yeah, 1.5 million Canadian. So we'll call that, uh, the it's exchange rate's practically dead on these days. So yeah, so about $1.5 million. Let's call it that. 
uh, for this, and it looks fantastic. It looks really good. The makeup is amazing. Um, yeah, it's just a really great time. You will never hate parents more than you hate these parents. <laughs> like, I think this is why we kept the parents out of ET <laughs> because the parents were just awful. <laughs> Especially dad. I think, man, there, there's always a, uh, a very often uh, used trope of the stupid dad and everything. This goes beyond stupid dad. This goes to dad's an a-hole. And that's a, but at the same time too, it, it just gives you a stronger connection to the kids and the kids are the ones that we're following here. Uh, I would say that depending upon the kid, and I think parents know their kids the best. Uh, I would say that you could, you could get, at least 10 years old and watch this. I think the majority of 10 year olds could watch, especially if they've seen some kind of horror and not, they're not really grossed out by makeup effects. And they know that that's kind of a fake sort of thing. Uh, it's good enough. Language is not really all that bad. There's maybe a handful of small things here or there, but for the most part, they actually do like, uh, you know, like sugar biscuits or something like that to where they're trying to get off, uh, you know, out of saying actual dirty words, which is kind of especially with because it's the kids and everything like it's realistic because, you know, I, I got a niece and nephew and that's, you know, they're not saying the dirty words. They're saying some other sort of variation of the dirty word and everything. Uh, so it really works. But. If you like those movies from the 80s, just imagine, you know, this is, yeah, this is just basically E.T., but with a psycho uh, <laughs> guy who goes all around just wanting to kill everything and everybody, but he can't kill everything and everybody uh, because this little girl has an amulet that actually stops him. Uh, so that's Psycho Gorman. It's available on VOD, Blu-ray, and will be available uh, streaming on Shutter later this week. So uh, do check that out. Uh, that's it, everybody. That will do it for this episode of the film find a little bit late, but I think I made up for it. We got a little buttload of content here for you. So, uh, we're going to be doing more and more of that maybe with you. So if you would like to, uh, come on the show and talk about movies, hit me up at the film find at gmail.com. I will talk to you and we'll make some shows happen, man. Uh, and if you'd like to support this show and guilt me into making more episodes on the regular basis, uh, hit me up at uh, patreon.com slash the film find. Although this show is as irregular as all hell, uh, I still got Walt, Tim and rocket face. Uh, th thanks guys for making me want to actually do this and, uh, whatever you boys want to review, you want to talk about it, whatever it is, hit me up. You have a spot on this show. We will get it done. ASAP. Uh, that will do it. Everybody, uh, Check me out on uh, Here Movie Podcast. Doing that all the time. We are coming up next week on HMP. Seven years. Seven years of HMP. Holy smokes, it's been quite a lot. Uh, so check that out. And, of course, we got Loki coming up on our Marvel 30 Questions podcast coming up soon. If you were listening to uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, just stay subscribed to that because that will be coming later. So uh, that is it, everybody. We may have some more content coming at you soon. Uh, you know, long ones like this little Film Find 5 or Film Find 5. Yeah, that's what they are. <laughs> uh, those little mini rants and everything. I'll do all the, some of those and stuff soon on smaller topics. Uh, but that's it, everybody. Uh, I'll see you next time.
You know, I saw a um, scrolling around on like Facebook here, and um, they've been they've been advertising Genesis is coming back, coming back and doing tours. And uh, you know, part of you is like, all right, no, that might be kind of good. There's a lot of a lot of good songs in there. Surely they'll play some you know Phil Collins standards and stuff as well. See see about all of that. And uh, but in the video. Uh, Phil Collins is sitting down. Now, he's not sitting down behind the drums. He's just sitting down in front of the stage doing the whole thing. And, like, you know, in the comments, people were saying things like, uh, hey, man, if Phil's not going to stand the entire time, why am I going? And I'm like, my God, the man's got a lot of health problems. <laughs> you should be happy that he's going out and doing anything out there. Uh, but I, I thought it was... <laughs> But at the same time, too, I was like, you know, that, it makes sense a little bit because, you know, he is sitting the entire time and you feel like you're losing out. But I saw B.B. King in concert. You know what he did the entire time? Sat. It was the best show i ever seen in my entire life. So uh, it's all about the performance and what you give and everything. And uh, if I had the money to go uh, to go see that, we might do it. But uh, anyways, that's 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 the Phil Collins talk for the week. We'll see you next time.